Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries, or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. You ever hear that before? If you've ever flown in your life, of course you've heard that. It's kind of weird, though, isn't it? The oxygen masks fall from the ceiling, and I'm supposed to worry about me before I can help the person next to me? What if it's my son, wife? What do I do? It's still supposed to be you first, but why? Well, because until you're okay, you can't possibly help those around you. So this is what I get a lot because people look at America and that's what, what hap- what's happening right now to America and how sad and crazy it is out there and they want to stop it. Hey, Jesse, how do I help? How do I help? What do, I, what do we do? What do, what do we do? Well, have you looked after yourself first? Are you mentally ready? Are you physically ready? Are you in a good place to help someone else? Because if you're not, you got to get there first. There are a lot of people in this country that are in a very bad spot mentally. We can't allow ourselves to get there. We won't be able to help anybody. You want to be some 70-year-old man sitting there in diapers? I am so glad that I am in diapers, and I am so glad that I am a little sissy baby girl. And I am so glad that I, will, that I know that I will never, ever have to be an adult ever again. And I just wish that everybody who wants to be a little sissy girl gets the chance to wear pretty clothes, they get the chance to wear diapers, and they get the chance to be a little baby girl. You know what strikes me most about insane videos like that is the age of some of these people. That dude is my dad's age. My dad, you know, who plays with his grandsons and rides horses and, like, lives a normal life. Same age. 
Why so different? Joining me now, so I can't wait for this, Gad Sad, he's a professor, behavioral, evolutionary behavioral scientist, and he has a new book out called The Sad Truth About Happiness. Gad, okay, obviously there are about 10 million things I'm sure you could say about that ridiculous, insane video. But again, this is not some confused 14-year-old boy who's succumbed to weird societal pressures and a, and a weird girl in high school. That's a gentleman with lines on his face. Should be working on his 401k. What? Uh, well, first, great to be with you, Jesse. Uh, you know, uh, I hate to say this, but my prophetic satire strikes again in the parasitic mind when I am satirizing and mocking some of this uh, stuff. I, dis I give the example of my announcing that I will be entering the under eight-year-old judo competition <laughs> for people who are less than 70 pounds, and I called it trans-ageism and trans-gravity. If I self-identify of a particular weight, and if I self-identify as being you know, less than eight years old, then you have to allow me to participate in that judo championship. I use judo, by the way, because my brother used to be an Olympic judoka, so that's why I use that example of the parasitic mind. And so my prophetic satire strikes again. You know, there's nothing better than freeing ourselves from the pesky shackles of reality, and I think your clip shows exactly that. How do, how, look, I know there's probably a million different ways to answer this, but you wrote the book on it, The Parasitic Mind, on top of your new book. How does a man get to that place? What, what is it? Is he just mentally ill? Is this drugs? Is this a cry for attention? I don't understand what I'm looking at. I know it's not right, but I don't understand what I'm looking at. So in, in, in that particular case, I, I don't know because I, I have to know more about him. Yeah. But look, there's something very liberating about the possibility that we are not shackled by, let's say, our genitalia or our age, right? So, and that's actually one of the things that I talk about in the parasitic mind, that all of these parasitic idea pathogens share one thing in common, and which is that they free us from reality. So think, for example, social constructivism, which is the idea that we are all born with equal potentiality. We're born with empty minds. And it's only socialization that makes us into Lionel Messi or Michael Jordan or Albert Einstein. Well, that's perfectly erroneous view, but it frees me from reality because it basically tells me, hey, look, my son could be the next Lionel Messi or Michael Jordan. So each of these idea pathogens, Jesse, in a sense, are quite liberatory. And in this case, this gentleman is saying, look, I'm not a 70-year-old man. I am an eight-year-old girl. And boy, it's lovely and liberating for us to be anything we want to be on any given Tuesday. It's insane, but that's the world we live in today. Yeah, that is yeah, insane. You know what? I'm glad you brought up insane. Because I was marinating on this yesterday when I was driving to work. I can't let this go. I'll never be able to let it go. There's so many parts of COVID I'll never be able to let go. But one of the ones that really hit me was every part of the system selling a lie right off the bat, to the, from the stupid social distancing, which sounds like a child came up with it, to the idiotic mass, one-way aisles in the grocery store. It was like all of society went nuts. Not one part. All of society went nuts. And so many people went along with it. Why did so many people go along with that? I remember so many times looking around with just my jaw hanging open thinking, what? When did everyone lose their mind but me? <laughs> well, I think it's a form of govern me harder, daddy, right? It, it's wonderful uh, and, again, liberating for someone to be telling me exactly what to do at every given moment. So some of us are very, you know, we're free thinkers. Don't tread on me, you know, don't tread on me and so on. Others say, look, I want to subcontract every one of my, the minutia of my life to someone else. And if, you, if the government tells me to do X, Y, or Z, I don't ask questions and I do it. So I really think it comes from that. I should mention, though, Jesse, that one of the reasons why uh, you and I might have been a bit more reticent to wear the mask, I just discussed this actually on my uh, YouTube channel. A study came out showing that people who are less physically attractive are more likely <laughs> to want to continue to wear the mask. And uh, I'll speak for both of us. We're both extremely good looking and therefore we resist not giving yes. this as a gift to the world. Uh, yes. You know what, Gad, that's a really good point. I just didn't want to defri deprive anybody, even if it killed me. I wanted them to be able to gaze 
on my wonderful you're just face. Digester, you keep giving and giving. You're just that kind of guy. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, let, let's. I want to nail down on something you just brought up. Uh, the subcontracting out parts of your life. I understand that. I do. I understand that the, the human nature is many people kind of want to be slaves. That is just the history of the world. It's, it's, a, it's a simpler life. Maybe not a better life, but a simpler life. One part that I'll never understand, though, is how family treated family. I call it the great sorting. But I, I, look, I could show you a million emails. I'm sure you've had them. Mothers whose children wouldn't let them visit anymore. Children who wouldn't let their parents visit anymore. Brother cutting off brother. It was odd over something that that really wasn't that serious. Help me explain how you could be so manipulated that you would just blow up your whole family for it. That doesn't make sense. Well, I actually recently gave an example. I was it was a few months ago. I had tweeted out. I, I know you appeared on Tucker Carlson yesterday, and it relates to that to Tucker. I had tweeted out that, hey, thank you, Tucker, for inviting me on your long-form uh, podcast. Thank you for being so gracious to my family and so on. A cousin of mine, Jesse, who went through the Lebanese Civil War with me. So if you're thinking about, you know, affiliative bonding, few things are going to link you to another person than when you're both gone through the Lebanese Civil War. Publicly, he writes and says to me publicly on Twitter, are you serious or something to that effect? Have you no shame? So this cousin of mine who went through the Lebanese Civil War was publicly repudiating me for saying thank you to Tucker Carlson for having gone on his show. And he was my closest friend growing up in Lebanon. So to your point, tribalism can be one ugly cancer and, it, and, and being in a family won't protect you when you're viewing the world as us versus them. Man, alive, that is so sad and it's so true. It just, it rings, uh, I have so many examples that are just like that, it's crazy to me. All right, your new book, it's about living a good life. This is something anyone, anyone with any ounce of character wants. You want to live a good life. I'm sure I haven't, but I'd like to. What's resilience have to do with that? Well, you know, I, I guess a nice segue is I just mentioned the Lebanese Civil War. The fact that I went through some really horrible childhood stressors while horrible at the moment and while you know i had nightmares for 25 years after leaving lebanon it allows me to contextualize the horrors that i escape with my daily grind so if i feel like whining about something and then i think about how lucky i am and fortunate i am to have gone through that come out of it and it has allowed me to be anti-fragile and have some resilience I could always contextualize my daily whining episodes in light of what my life could have otherwise been, which is I could have been easily killed and executed. And so I think it is important to go through anti-fragile episodes that hopefully we can face and overcome. And that allows us to live every moment as though it's a magisterial moment. And I, and I truly, or magic, uh, you know, a magical moment. And I truly believe the fact that I went through the horrors of my childhood has allowed me to wake up every day and say, yes, sure, I might be feeling some stress today, but compared to where I could have been, boy, am I lucky to be alive. So from that perspective, some stressors are going to hopefully allow us to live a better life. Do you ever miss Lebanon? I ask is that one of my producers, his parents actually came here from Lebanon and you can sense a, a fondness for it, a longing that it was better, I guess I should say. You know, that, thank you. That's a great question. I, what I actually miss more than my returning to Lebanon, because regrettably the last year of my life there was really quite horrible, is that my children have never gotten a chance to experience what it is to be Lebanese. Now, by the way, we're Lebanese Jews. We're part of a very exotic small minority of Jewish people who, who who are from Lebanon, and I so regret that they, you know, they didn't get to speak Arabic. Uh, they've never immersed themselves in the in many of the beautiful elements of Lebanese culture: the food, the hospitality, the the friendship, and so on. Which I mean, it's not unique to only Lebanese people, but certainly in the Middle East, you've got this beautiful tradition of hospitality. That regrettably, because I don't feel that it's ever safe for us to go back, they're missing out on. So. I don't necessarily miss it as much as I miss the fact that my children haven't gotten a chance to experience it. 
I got you. You miss it for him. I get that. Gad, thank you so much. Buy his new book. Outstanding. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, sir. Cheers. That's a good dude right there. You know who else is a good dude? Me. No, that's not true. I'm not. But Zuby is, and he's going to join us next. Joining me now, the man you saw in that video, Zuby, rapper, author, international speak coach, uh, speaker, and a coach and host now of an outstanding podcast. I would recommend Real Talk with Zuby. All right, Zuby. First of all, did you actually skydive? Be honest with everybody here. And if you did, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I did it for real. That wasn't that was not a stunt, man. That was uh, that's myself jumping out the plane in that music video. So um, yeah, I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I thought it would be fun. I'm willing to uh, suffer and do crazy things for the sake of my art. I've done a lot of crazy things for music videos that people may not really be aware of, but um, yeah, that was probably the craziest: jumping out of plane twice and actually rapping whilst doing so. It was uh, quite an effort. Yeah, one of the country music stars I know down here in Texas often does crazy things, and he tells me all the time, for the sake of the song. I do it for the mm -hmm. sake of the song. <laughs> Zuby, uh, you, were, you were dynamite during COVID, mainly because you were actually giving out real health advice about taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, working out. Why does that advice come from you, a rapper, obviously, and not a coach, and I know you're a lot more than that, but not the CDC. Why do I have to go to Zuby to get information and advice that I should be getting from my doctor, from my CDC, from my Surgeon General, from the American media? But I couldn't. I had to go watch rap videos for health advice. Explain <laughs> to me why. Because I don't have any perverse incentive. I don't have an agenda. I, I genuinely care about human beings. I care a lot about health and fitness and nutrition and exercise. I've been talking about it since way before it was cool. I myself have been on my fitness journey for over 20 years at this point. I've been training regularly for 20 years and I've learned a lot during the time. And I genuinely love helping people. And I also just, you know, one of the things with that whole idea, and I don't want to even get so political with it at all, but there's not, how would I put it? There, there's not a lot of incentive for people to be honest with such matters and such issues, right? There's not a lot of money in telling people to take vitamin D. There's not a lot of money in telling people to exercise and go to the gym and manage their body weight, let alone to, to fast or anything like that. So with the powers that be, whether they are politicians or they're in big pharma or they're in the food industry or anything like that, even some of the medical doctors and people involved in the healthcare world, unfortunately, there are so many perverse incentives that are out there. So oftentimes, if you want to get uh, something that's just unbiased and no one is being sort of uh, enumerated or compensated for pushing certain ideas and ideologies or even products, then you know sometimes you're going to have to just go to your go to your local gym bro or go to that dude on Twitter who's just trying to inform people. And I think that's the that's the reality of it. I, I look at a lot of things through the the lens of incentives. And I think if you can understand incentives and disincentives, then it explains a lot of the behavior that you see out there. One of the things uh, that's difficult for a lot of people who haven't been on some 20-year fitness journey, right now they're sitting here, they're watching, they're fat, their knees hurt, their hips hurt, they don't sleep well. They know they want to make some changes, and that's how it starts. But they don't know where to begin, Zuby. Right now, there are people watching us right now who are 300 pounds and they're out of shape and they've never had a fitness coach or motivation or, and they don't know where to start. They're not going to look like you tomorrow, so it all seems really quite hopeless. How does that mm. person begin? Where does that person begin? 
Yeah, so the most important part, I would say, actually, is is to begin. I think the truth is that deep down, most people generally, even if you're not, you haven't researched nutrition a lot or you haven't learned a lot about exercise and physiology, most people have a pretty strong inkling of, you know, most people know that an apple is healthier than, uh, you know, Cheetos. People know that eating a giant, large Domino's pizza full of cheese and calories is not as good as eating a plate of chicken, you know, chicken and rice or whatever it is. And most, and everyone knows that moving is better than not moving. So my first thing would be to get in motion. Uh, inertia is very powerful in both directions. If you are not moving and you're not exercising and you're just being very sedentary, it's easy to keep that going. It becomes habitual. But once you get moving, this can be going for a 20, start with a 20 minute walk every day, increase it to a 30 minute walk and a one hour walk. Um, doing something is always better than doing nothing. And then in terms of actually getting hold of the information, um, of course, I, I, I could pitch my book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. That's helped thousands of people all across the world. I wrote it to be very simple and concise and easy and quick to read and to go back to and reference. And whether you're trying to build muscle, or you're trying to lose weight, burn fat, whatever your goal is, that book has helped a ton of people out. I wrote it specifically to help answer that question for a lot of people without making stuff overtly complicated. But like I said, yeah, I think uh, the first thing is to is to get in motion. Doing something positive is always going to be better than doing nothing. And once you start to build those positive habits, then you can you can learn and build and increase as you go. It's okay to not have all the information to begin with. Nobody starts out in incredible shape. Like you, it's something you have to work for, especially as you get older and you're living a busy life. So recognize that. You know, people uh, just like in many things in life, you 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 start from you know your starting positions, your starting position. You can't magically change that, but if you give it some time and some effort, then you can completely reverse a lot of these situations down to obesity and diabetes, which a lot of people think is irreversible, but it's absolutely reversible. Yeah, yeah. I used to tell people ninety percent of me working out is putting on my gym shoes. Because once my gym hey. shoes are on, I'm going to work out anyway. I'm already heading that direction. I'm already going. I'm not going to take them back off and not work out. Just get the daggone shoes on. All right, Zuby. Uh, COVID. I get the feeling now that is that we as a whole, as a nation, and frankly the Western world, and we look back on it, that there's a, a bit of shame, and there should be, and how frightened we became as a population and how many of us conducted ourselves. Now, not enough people are ashamed, and the worst people aren't ashamed at all, but many people look back and they think, man, that's, that, that sucked. I wished I hadn't done that. I wished I hadn't ostracized my brother. I wish I hadn't put a mask on my 10-year-old. I wish I hadn't. But we were ripe for a big scare then. We were. We were a soft population ripe for a big scare. That hasn't changed. We're ripe for another one, aren't we? Yeah, that's always the case. That's always the case. I mean, human, the course of hum, the human condition, it, it, it alters, but it there are certain consistencies and patterns. And one of those things is that there are always things both legitimate and illegitimate and manufactured that are that that you know people are going to be scared of right there are things that are completely reasonable to be scared of and in fact if you were not scared of them you probably wouldn't live very long but then there's also forces that are out there in the media or within politicians or within certain activist groups and whatever who are trying to manufacture or even exaggerate certain forms of fear and outrage because the easier you are to scare and i would say the easier you are to offend and the easier you are to outrage the easier you are to control and if you want to become a sovereign individual and you want to become a powerful and individual with discipline and self-control, you have to be able to resist some of that because once you're moving from a position of fear, then you're, you're no longer thinking clearly. Okay, so how do I begin that, Zuby? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm one of these types, and look, yep. we, we forget that there are a lot of men out there. Well, I'll speak to men specifically. There are a lot of 30-, 40-year-old men out there. They didn't have a dad. Or if they did, they had a crappy one or one of these limp-wristed losers who never taught them about resilience or pushing through or, or any skills or self-confidence. So they don't know. They want it. They, like, they, want, yeah. they want to look like Zuby. They want to begin <laughs> this, but they don't, know, they don't know where to begin. How does that guy begin? He's not 10. He's 40. Yes. Get yourself in the weight room. And I'm not even being facetious at all. Right. Start with your own body. Start with your own body, your own mind, your own spirit, your own heart, 
and work on self-improvement. Take radical accountability, right? No one can work out for you. No one can uh, force you to eat anything. You're, you're totally in control of that. And I think that if you can get your body in check, your mind, your body, and your spirit, these things are all connected. Mental health, physical health, spiritual health, these things are all connected. They're not siloed off. It's important to get yourself in much better shape, and that does not have a positive impact on your mental state. So I think that's the, I think that's a fantastic place to, to begin. I think people look at it as only something about aesthetics or, or health or vanity or, or something like that, and it, it's, it's, it goes so far beyond that. It has massive cognitive benefits. So I'd say that's a great place to start. And then also work on self-improvement in any other areas, whatever areas it is that you feel that you are deficient in as a man. That could be your finances. It could be your relationships. It could be how you conduct yourself. It could be how you how you look and how, how you dress. Um, take take steps to improve that. And it's OK. It's, it's correct for these things to be very incremental. No one is expecting, uh, you know, overnight overnight changes. But if, if you genuinely want to improve yourself, or there's something that you want to learn, or there's something that you want to get better at, then you can do it. And it's a matter of just putting in that effort day in, day out. It's what I do in my own life. It's what I encourage other people to do. I recognize that I'm not perfect. I've still got a long way to go. Hopefully I've got many, many decades more to live and many more things that I, I hope to achieve and accomplish. And it's just taking it a day at a time and, and doing your best and, and genuinely putting in the effort. Yeah, stick around, brother. Appreciate you, come back soon. All right, Mike Slater is going to join us next. Give us a little perspective. Hang on. Twenty-eight-year-old Bridget Klein Simpson has identified as a woman for years, and she wants to get into better shape. So she went to the Body Works gym for women in Parksville for a membership. Klein Simpson says she was initially welcomed, but after one workout, she was informed she was not allowed at the women's only gym. Saying sorry, we made a mistake. You're not actually allowed to be here, but you're more than welcome to use the co-ed facility. And uh, I kind of just hung up because uh, I was—I mean, I was extreme. extreme devastated. I mean, there's really no other word for it. Joining me now, my friend Mike Slater, host of the Politics by Faith podcast. Mike, Jesus is coming back like any minute now, right? <laughs> I hope so. It'll be so much better. Uh, I don't think so, though. I imagine we have a long way to go. Because, like, that's silly right there. That's ridiculous and silly. But we have some really bad stuff still to come. Uh, we got obvious ones like they still have to normalize pedophilia. That's next. That's been done before. They're going to make abortion more of a public ritual sacrifice. That's been done before. They still have to completely take away our freedom of speech, right? Like to the point where if you broadcast your show today, Jesse, we all go to jail. That's obviously happened many more times before. You know, in Nigeria right now, no one's talking about this. Nigeria is the largest African country by population and GDP. 90% of all the Christians who are martyred in the world today are in Nigeria. It's about 16 Christians a day are killed just for being Christian. So things can still get a lot worse here than that dude. Maybe <laughs> some chick. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to see we're still circling the drain around here. No, sorry. So you, you've said Go. before, Jesse, you said, sorry to interrupt. You said before that the left would freak out over Donald Trump. And one of your points, if I'm correct, was, listen, you people on the left, you have no idea what you're talking about. Trump's not the strong man. It's the next strong man who gives rise to the next strong man who gives rise to the next strong man. Those are the people who are going to be knocking on your door and dragging you to the gulag. That's, that's what real tyranny is. Those people who thought Trump was a tyrant, what a joke. They have no clue what is still to come. And they have no the people who are ignorant have no clue what they're playing along with when they go along with that guy. They're like, oh, let's just be nice to him because, you know, he thinks he's a woman. Okay, you have no idea what game you're playing. No, I actually am trying to get through to them on this, Mike. I don't know why they can't see it. The history of the world says it's true. Society will seek a balance. And if they can't find a balance through normal, traditional means, they will find means that are non-traditional. There, there are too many people in this country who don't want to live, work, and worship around that. 
and they'll simply choose whatever or whoever will get them away from it. One of the most wicked expressions that people accept to be true is the ends justify the means. It just rolls off the tongue and everyone can just say it and like don't even think about it. No, <laughs> that's not true. You cannot achieve moral ends through immoral means. I believe that's accurate. Um, but they'll justify anything, anything they got to do, they'll justify and find a way to do it. I just read, uh, they had a Twitter hearing the other day and uh, the, the, one of the Twitter people gets up there and says, uh, well, you know, uh, we had to protect freedom of speech because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Bull crap, of course you can't, especially if there's a fire. These people are just wrong. That's an inaccurate statement. Of course you can do that. You must do that. And we, we don't have to go over the whole history of that expression. But these people have no idea what's coming. And it's going to smack them in the face. It'll be too late. Mike, why don't they have any idea what's coming? Because, I, look, I'm not exactly a learned man, but I can read. And history yeah. books tell the story of what's coming, of human nature, of how societies go. And yet today, I mean, shoot, it just happened today. I saw someone else, I forget who it was, one of these crazy liberal lefty types that say, hey, you can't just have freedom of speech for everyone. There have to be limits on it. People don't understand what they're doing. I don't, well, again, I say it all the time. Everyone wants to be nice. That's the first thing. We'll put that aside. I think literally, not only do people not read, they can't, Jesse. This fact boggles my mind. 54% of Americans cannot read at a sixth grade reading level. Huh? Half of Americans can't, like, like barely literate? So you have that, and then you have, beyond that, like, people aren't going to go out of their way and read history because it's hard. And the problem with it is when you read history, you're supposed to read, you're the bad guy. And no one wants to do that. So you're telling me first, I have to be able to read, which few people even can. Then I have to read things that are hard to listen to, hard to read about, right? Like, ugh, you gotta read about like the Holocaust and stuff. Ugh, that's pretty dark. I'd rather just be nice and watch a Netflix show. It's way easier. And then I have to read about the Holocaust and think that I'd be the prison guard. I'd be the guy in the gas chamber. I'm not gonna do any of that stuff. Forget that. And it's our education system, right? You know, um, the uh, Philadelphia School District, they're letting the kids stay an hour. They're starting Monday two hours later because of the Super Bowl. Right? So I was like, I wonder how the Philadelphia School District is doing these days. 17% of their fourth graders can read. Seventy <laughs> percent. You think they're going to know about our history? They're going to learn about our history? Of course not. It is one of the cliche of all cliches, but it is true. If you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it. That is true. All right, Mike, let's... Yeah. let's Switch gears here. There was a massive earthquake, Turkey and Syria. The footage has been brutal. By the grace of God, they're still finding people, but thousands and thousands of people dead. That brings a little perspective. Your podcast is all about perspective. That gives us some, doesn't it? Yeah, Politics by Faith is the podcast. If you can check it out. Yeah, listen, this is one of the hardest questions of all time, right? Like, why do bad things happen? Why is there suffering in the world? And I just want to say before I even try to tackle it in two minutes, it's okay to struggle with this question. The name Israel, Jacob, Israel, it literally means to struggle with God. So it's okay to ask these hard questions and to struggle with them. I actually believe God uh, desires it. So why do we have suffering? If you believe that the purpose of life is constant prosperity and comfort, then suffering is baffling, absolutely baffling. But the Christian worldview says that the purpose of life is not comfort. The purpose of life is to glorify God. So when you realize that that's the purpose of life and bad things happen, it can still draw you closer to him. And that's the point. Now, if you're not a Christian, that's not helpful at all. That's folly. But if you are a Christian, then you can embrace suffering when it happens. So when bad things happen, it can either crush you and your relationship with God, or it can bring you closer to him. I think it was Dennis Prager. He said, the believer in God has to account for the existence of unjust suffering. Okay, that's a difficult question. Like you ask me like a ridiculously impossible question, like explain why earthquakes kill babies. I mean like, right? So I have to account for that and it's difficult. I'll struggle with it, but I'll do the best I can. But the atheist has to account for the existence of that and everything else. <laughs> so I'd rather be on the team that at least has to explain the one thing. And if you start to go down that road, I think you see that the Christian worldview has all the answers, including the peace and comfort that comes with knowing that if things are not made right on this earth in our life, they're at least made right in the afterlife. And if you know Jesus, he said, don't worry, man, be of good cheer. 
you could you be a happy warrior, Jesse Kelly? I have overcome the world. And that's all I need. Amen. Mike Slater, Politics by Faith podcast. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. We're going to talk about veterans next. Helping them. Why they struggle. Hang on. That one was so well done because it just it, clearly by somebody who would know. Let me, you know what? Let's ask Ken about it. Joining me now, founder and chairman of the Boulder Crest Foundation. Ken, uh, before we get to specifically what you do at your wonderful organization, the ad itself hits home because having gone through it myself, probably still going through it a little bit, to be honest with you, and talking to these people, it's so hard to come back and live a normal life it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it should be this way where you're 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 with all your brothers and you're fighting and you're doing all these cool things and they make movies about the stuff you do and then you're just an accountant you're uh, washing dishes you're just life doesn't have the same zip to it does that make sense yeah no it makes perfect sense thanks jesse for having me on uh, by the way um it does make sense and i think it's what most most veterans um and what I would call high-performing people struggle with this whole idea that you. I, I have a friend of mine who's a former NFL football player, and you know they they take the name off the back of their jersey, and they're not the superhero anymore. And I, I think you know the, the military uh, and and these high-performing professions all struggle with this transition, whether it's you know out of uniform or just back to society from this high-tempo war zone and. Um, and and I think this commercial really really says it all, you know. And that's 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 what we hope to get out of it. And the reaction was, you know, this is hard, but it can be done. And that's that's really our message at Boulder Crest. Ken, you're a 21 year veteran of the United States Navy, retired Master Chief Petty Officer. So that is no small thing. How'd you do it? Um, it's a great question. I, I, you know, I was a bomb disposal guy in the Navy, and I spent, uh, you know, about half of my career doing traditional Navy bomb disposal work, and then another half of my career supporting uh, special uh, operations units. And and you know, I left the Navy, you know, with a little bit of bitterness. I I, I left at 21 years. I had, I had this whole plan to do 30. And because of that little bit of bitterness, I think it it, it, it helped me from having to look back. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I mean, all during the war, I ran a business that helped 
soldiers and Marines and, you know, Navy guys and, and uh, airmen going into combat. And, 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 and I felt like I never really left the community that I was a part of. Uh, and I think that helped a lot. But, you know, I'm a long way away from that now. This year, this month, actually, uh, I've been out of the Navy as long as I was in it. And, um, and, and, and there's not a day that goes by. I tell people all the time, the U.S. Navy made me the man I am. I had a great family, a great father. But at the end of the day, I left home when I was 19 years old. And, and, and the Navy had a lot to do with the way I am. So I miss it. I, I, you know, I have a lot of love for the military and what, you know, what, what the military does for this country. Uh, but I never, I never felt like it, it defined me. And, and I was able to find that next thing and that next purpose. And, and, you know, Boulder Crest has been a big part of that for me. What is Boulder Crest? So Boulder Crest, uh, you know, if I go back a little bit in time, my wife and I early in the war started a charity. Today is known as the EOD Warrior Foundation. And EOD is bomb disposal, as you know, uh, Jesse, explosive ordnance disposal. And that charity is still running. I'm not involved with it anymore. Uh, uh, I had termed out of my, my slot as the board chairman. But we founded that organization. And for about almost 15 years, we helped all the severely injured uh, EOD guys and gals, uh, physically injured primarily. Uh, and most of the ones who had been medevaced back to the hospitals here in DC. Well, in 2013, uh, we had the worst year in Afghanistan for EOD amputees. I think, I think for the service in general, but for the EOD community specifically. And um, I had retired by then and my wife and I started bringing families of these severely wounded guys out to our home. We live in Bluemont, Virginia, about an hour west of DC. And we had a big house with 200 acres of land and uh, we could just see the joy that getting away from the hospital was doing for these families. And I came home one night and my wife and a couple of her friends had this idea to donate 37 acres of our land and, and build this beautiful facility. And uh, it's the nation's first privately funded wellness center uh, for combat veterans and their families. And, and a couple of years ago, we included first responders in the mix. But it's a beautiful place. Um, our largest donor uh, in, here in Virginia was a man named Mr. Jim Clark. And when Mr. Clark passed away, his family gave us $10 million and we opened up a second facility in Southern Arizona. And then with the help of many philanthropists, including the two founders of the Home Depot, uh, Bernie Marcus and Arthur Blank, we've been scaling the work we do at Boulder Crest out all over the nation. So, you know, really what Boulder Crest is, is it's a movement to, to change the way veterans and first responders get mental health care. And it's based on the science of something called post-traumatic growth at the highest level. You know, basically that means what doesn't kill us makes us stronger and that we have to do certain things to make sure that does come to fruition. So that's what Boulder Crest is. It's kind of a place, but really, I think at the end of the day, Jesse, at this point, you know, 12 years into this, I think it's really becoming a movement to, to change the way the mental health care is done, you know, for our brothers and sisters. I love that. I love that so much. So what do you do for them at Boulder Crest? You just chuck them a bottle of pills like the VA? Uh, no, matter of fact, we're, you know, we're pretty anti-pharmaceutical. But, you know, there are some pharmaceuticals I think that, you know, people end up on just because they have to. But at the end of the day, I was telling somebody the other day, I think six of the eight antidepressants have suicide as a side effect. And, you know, I'm not a mental health professional, although some days I feel feel like one. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really, you know, a bomb disposal guy and, and to try, try to rationalize why somebody who was depressed would put a pill into their body to make them more depressed. It just has never sat well with me. But, you know, what we try to do is incorporate the science of post-traumatic growth, which is best understood, in my mind, militarily-wise, by the prisoners of war from Vietnam. I think that story really resonates with, you know, our brothers and sisters. If you think about 550 years ago, 591 men released from the Hanoi Hilton who came back to this country. Their families were told to be prepared to institutionalize them after their captivity. These men came back and have become the most remarkable men in the world. And this is a story of post-traumatic growth that trauma, deep trauma can, it can be overcome and you can go on to do some amazing things. And we see that story over and over with prisoners of war. And, uh, and that's really what we do is really, you know, Stockdale, Jim Stockdale, who was a commander at the time, a retired Navy Admiral, um, his message to prisoners of war was return with hope. 
And that's that's really a return with honor. And that's really what the Boulder Crest is all about. In our garden, there's a quote from Thucydides, who was an Athenian war general. And it says that we must remember that one man is much the same as another, but he is best who is trained in the severest of schools. And the severest of school be in combat. And, uh, and it's powerful, right? And, and I believe that. I believe that men and women who fight for this country are, are, are forged on the battlefield. But when you come home, you know, Sebastian Younger wrote about it in his book, Tribe, you know, that it's not what you're coming home from, it's what you're coming home to, this disconnected society and the, the loss of brotherhood and sisterhood. And, and that's really what we try to put back together at Boulder Crest through these innovative programs. How do people give to Operation Struggle? How do people give if they want to give? Because I get, look, I get emails every single day. Jesse, how do I help? How do I help? I talked about veterans last night and veteran suicide on my show. Jesse, how do I do something about it? How do they help? People want to help. Well, I, you know, I tell people all the time, there's kind of three ways to help. The first way is just to share the news, right? I mean, it's, there's a lot of people in this country that can't afford to give money and, or, or their time and, and, but they can't afford to share the, the word and, and to help spread the commercials, spread the spread the website uh, through your network. I think that's a big way of helping nonprofits. The second way is to volunteer. I mean, every nonprofit, including Boulder Crest, needs help. And uh, and you know we have volunteers at the individual level, at the corporate level, and they do some amazing things for us. And um, and volunteering not only is good for the organization, but it's good for you as an individual. And then thirdly, you know, is, is to donate money. I mean, it's every penny that, that comes into this organization uh, is important and it gets spent on the on the men and women who we put through the training. So whether it's $10 or $10 million, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a big help to, to, to this organization to make sure that we can do what we're, what we're doing because everything we do here at Boulder Crest uh, is free of charge. I had a friend of mine, uh, just to sidetrack a minute, a friend of mine, a uh, Navy SEAL that I had served with, uh, called me the other day. I had one of his sailors that needed some help, and he said, "Well, how much does it cost?" And I said, "It's free." And he said, "What do you mean it's free?" But it's but it is. That's you know, thanks to the generosity of this this country and, and our, our 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 donors, everything we do at Boulder Crest is free to our our, our participants. I love that. BoulderCrest.org. If you're interested in helping, putting your Money where your morals are, as I like to say. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Ken. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a good day. All right. I have final thoughts. Next. Imagine having to bury your whole family. Hold on, hold on, pause for a moment, pause for a moment. This is it's actually more positive than that. I bring that up because I was doing some reading yesterday about the Black Plague, the, the Great Death and others. Just, you know, half of Europe dies. And you read these horrible stories, stories that it seems like it's from a movie. You read these horrible stories of you had to run to another town to check on your cousin's family and you get back home and mom, dad, and your baby brother have all died while you were gone. They weren't even sick when you left. They're all dead, and you have to come home and bury them. Like, that's how normal people have had to live their lives at various points throughout history. I didn't bring that up to freak you out or bum you out or something like that. I brought that up because it, it helps give me perspective, right? If you're looking around right now on the disaster that is your country right now, and you're watching the country you love crumble, become a late-stage republic, crumble, really, all of our pillars. It's kind of crumbling and going downhill, and you're lamenting it. I don't want it to be this way. I, I want it to be 1980 again, or whatever you're saying to yourself. I get it. It's okay to lament that. Always keep some perspective, though, all right? Keep your chin up. Keep marching. You're not here by accident. We're meant to be here at this time. I'll see you.
Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes. Our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to its programs. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time